to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And uh, I want to read some things to you before we read the, these verses. <clears throat> because if you were here last week, we had a wonderful time. I don't know about you, but I sure had a wonderful time in the presence of God. Now, we have a year to preach. <laughs> and beyond that, if the Lord wishes, dealing with an open heaven. For those of you that were not here at the turn of the year, we covered a number of things. Time didn't allow us to cover everything the Lord spoke to us about the year. But this actually began uh, as we approached this year from October the 5th. And I want to read this to you because I want to keep it right in the forefront of your mind and heart. October the 5th, 2022, as the Lord had done for many, many years in our office of ministry and assignment, uh, he spoke a word to me, and I didn't know when he first said it because I knew it was personal, but I, I wasn't aware in the first line of it that it was the prophetic impartation for the year for everyone because the first line is, you know, was to me directly. He said, you've only just begun. Glory be to God. And I'm telling you, it just lifted me up. <laughs> he said, you've only just begun. Whew, glory to God. My. <clears throat> and then the Lord said, this is the time I have been waiting on. In other words, he's been monitoring, monitoring our faithfulness for all these years. Mm -mm -mm. Consistency is a huge deal with God. He said, you've entered a season, a time of great restoration. Say great restoration. Then he said this to me, great joy. Glory to God, great joy. He said, you must not mourn over lost opportunities of the past. The mourning attaches one to death, decay, loss, and grief. This is not the hour for grief. This is the hour of harvest. Glory to God. Glory to God. The fields are white. Shut your eyes and see it. Long-standing seeds you long forgot about are coming to pass. God hadn't forgotten about one seed you planted. Then he said this to me, there is great joy in the harvest. Restoration of lost opportunities. Restoration of lost opportunities. Begins now and will explode into 2023. More harvest than you can gather by yourself. More opportunities than you can take advantage of in the natural by yourself. Many will benefit from the breakthrough. Glory to God. Glory to God. Who in here? Is anybody in here going to benefit from the breakthrough? He said many will benefit from the breakthrough. Glory to God. From your heavenly, from your heavenly breakthrough and the open heavens. Do you hear that? Many will benefit from the breakthrough, from your heavenly breakthrough and the open heavens. Did you hear that? From your heavenly breakthrough and the open heavens. Glory be to God. 2023, year of an open heaven. Glory to God. 
And then he gave me some other things that were indeed personal about our ministry assignment that was for me to walk out and fulfill, uh, you know, this year, the beginnings of it this year. But, but this you can have, and we've already seen it happen. Starting now and proceeding the new year through, many open doors are coming to you. Amen. Isaiah 45, 1 through 3, the opening of the nations will unfold to thee. Yes, sir. And he said some other things, but uh, I was just last week. Uh, <laughs> there were a number of nations that just blew wide open. Um, but one, just supernaturally, I mean, in a moment of time, glory to God, uh, was it Bulgaria, I said? I was trying to think, I was going to say Belarus, that's not right. But Bulgaria just went boom. I mean, wide open. I'm standing in the room, how am I going to get to do, how, where, how am I going to get to all these nations? You're not going to get staunchy and stay in America, that's how. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Well, glory be to God. So, for these things to happen, the Lord had said to us, and I want to remind you, and I think we can get there quickly, but I want to remind you that in December now, right before the turn of the year, uh, I woke up one morning, and I just, at the end of worship, and the Lord had been saying to me, take a little extra time to wait on me even in the services, and that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to make room. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost wants to talk. But I'd gotten up that morning, and if you were here in that service, you remember me saying, I picked up this morning something, and it keeps coming up in my spirit that I don't like. And it was one word I kept hearing, war. And I knew there was impending... Uh, impending scheming strategy this year, and I'm talking about physical, against the United States of America. And it's not what you think it is. It's not Ukraine and Russia and all that. And I don't have time to get into that because we get in the mental realm. What I knew was he was talking to me about that, and he was also saying to me, I, I felt the foreboding of it. But he was also saying to me, you can stop it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you remember that Sunday morning, instead of going right into the preaching, we began to intercede. And we prayed for a while. And all of a sudden, uh, a, a thing came. We, we began to get traction to stopping that. I think he's going to have us continue to keep our foot on the gas. But I knew, so it wasn't just that one event, but I knew in the spirit things had begun to shift already just by the intersection of the saints. And then I saw it in the spirit that, that the first half of the year, not just natural warfare, but God's people would experience some intense spiritual warfare because they're going through shifts, changes, transitions. They don't even know what their life's going to look like by the end of this year. It's going to be glorious, but what you're really going through is a transfiguration. You're really going through a metamorphosis. You really are becoming the person you were prophesied about. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Things are changing. Say, things are changing. So if you remember, the Lord began to say, by the Spirit, there'll be change. Then he said, much change. And then he said, great change. And then he said, the American church will turn this year. Do you remember that? Everybody remember that? So the Lord's pointed out to me that we could talk about the open heaven. We could talk about all the individual things he said. But he said to me, none of this will manifest for the people unless... They embrace change. You see, we have a part to play. 
So what, what I want to deal with today is where we started last week. Remember, I talked about climbing and conquering the mountain of change. And we got there, and we were bumping up against it, and I could feel it. A lot of people don't realize they won't admit it, but they are resistant to change. That's what breakthrough is about. I'm telling you, there's some things that need to change in your life. And if it would have changed by your effort, it would have already changed by now. So glory be to God. And so we got up there last week and we saw that. And we began to go the direction the Lord wanted to go and uh, just couldn't get there. The utterance wasn't there. And so I thought, well, and, I, and another phrase came up. Well, just start here. You'll get there. We're on the road to change. On the road to change. And of course, we talked about several things last week. And you could sense God's presence come in the room and begin to stand us up on the inside. His anointing came to help us. And we had a breakthrough. A breakthrough in the way we thought about it. A breakthrough in the way we were embracing. Okay, I'm beginning to see the value, the need for this. Glory be to God. And while we didn't get everything that I was sharing last week said, uh, we got well on our way. Now, I want to make a statement about it, and then we're going to read Romans 12, because it may be we'll revisit these scriptures today, and if we don't, uh, we certainly will in the next few weeks. But the bottom line is this. We talked about Saul a little bit and how that he had lost something. And God began to talk about restoration of lost opportunities. And his father had lost three donkeys. And he didn't know where they were. And he sent out Saul and the companion to go look for them. They were on the road three days. And even though I started going down that track, I never actually read the scriptures and took the body through that. So let me just tell you this, this tiny synopsis of the story. The bottom line is they're looking for three days for these donkeys. And in the natural, they can't find them. And they realize, I'm going to have to have supernatural help to get what I've lost restored. So they said, let us go to the man of God who will tell us our way. Saul's companion with him said, how should we go to the man of God? We have nothing to give him. Now you can go read this in 1 Samuel chapter 9. But you get around verse 15, 16, and so forth. So finally they look around and he says, yes, I've got it right here. And he, had a, he found a shekel. And he said, let's go to the seer. And so they did. And when we get there, we will sow this seed, and he will show us the way to go. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, what they didn't realize is that God had already visited Samuel, the seer, and said, I'm going to send you a young man tomorrow whom I have anointed to be king over Israel. When he heard Saul's voice, Samuel says, Hail, captain of the Lord's inheritance. That is the, that is the greeting you would give the king. Saul would, I mean, he almost staggered. He almost fell back. Why, why would the seer, why would he say that about me? I'm just looking for donkeys. Did you hear what I said? He went looking for one thing and he found his destiny. And so that encounter with the prophet created a change in how he saw his future. Are you listening to me? He found what he was looking for. Problem was, he was thinking was so low that he could have never found it without someone, without him encountering an anointing that would create a change, a projection of a different trajectory for his life. He never even would have allowed that thought to get in his mind. 
without God crossing his path with an anointing that would produce the change that would open his heart to the destiny God had for him. Today, there's change in the room. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. There's the recovery of lost opportunities, and there's the impartation of greatness in your heart. And if you will let God, he is going to get inside and kick that 5 by 7 dream out into his 16 by 20 frame. He's got big things for you. The lion of the tribe of Judah is on the inside of you, but you're going to have to give him permission to let him roar. But stand up on the inside, glory to God, and let God begin to do early in the year what he wants to do in your life. And stop resisting him and blocking the thoughts and telling him no. Amen. So the linchpin, the master key, the key of the kingdom to the things that God has prophesied is going to start with change. There's going to be much change. Change, much change, great change, and in many, many cases, significant change this year. It'll be a significant year. It's a significant year. It's a significant year. It's a year of significance. Glory to God. Now, it is not an accident that over our offering the Holy Spirit saw fit to talk to us about our image. Because that's where the change comes. Amen? So the bottom line is this, that the value that's set, right, on something determines what image is on it. Right? So if I say Ben Franklin, that's where the... uh, how much value is in Ben Franklin? If I say Andrew Jackson, if I say Abraham Lincoln, are you hearing me? It's critically important to understand the value in your life is absolutely determined by what image is stamped on you. And what is amazing about God's wonderful gift he gave us is we get to determine the image. We don't have to stay like people think we are. We don't have to put up with the image that the world has stamped on us. We don't have to say, well, I was born to a single-parent family, so I'm from a broken home. But that doesn't make you broken. Not when you find out who you are when you come into Christ. Old things passed away and everything becomes new and you've got to get a New Testament reality. You've got to get an in Christ revelation. You've got to know who you really are, not that person you're looking at in the mirror. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Woo! I sense heaven helping us today. How about you? Amen. So let's read Romans chapter 12 and let's talk about climbing the mountain of change, conquering the mountain of change, if necessary, moving the obstinate unwillingness to change that mountain out of your way. Glory be to God. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, aren't you glad God's merciful? I said, aren't you glad God's merciful? All right, let me... uh, I'm going to do my very best. Now, see, when revelation starts flowing with me and I get in the river, I like staying in the river a long time. I mean, I want to look at every rock and I want to talk about every tree and I want to say, hey, does your inner tube float like mine? And, you know, 
And I try to do that in every message, so I got to stay the course here. But there is something coming up in me that I think would be pertinent to look at quickly. And that's Romans chapter 12. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Say, by the mercies of God. Say it again. Say it one more time. With all of my heart, more than anything, I'm telling you, from the, from the hair follicles on the top of my head down to the end of the bottom of my little bitty toe, I'm telling you, there are going to be significant miracles happen this year, and many of them are going to be mercy miracles. You qualify. All of this change does not have to do with your actions. It has to do with your heart decisions. So your future change is not based upon your past performance. That doesn't limit how much God will help you change, doesn't limit how much you can change, doesn't limit what you can become because you can't break it bad enough, God can't restore it. It seems to fit right here, so I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I may get deep, more deeply into it, but uh, uh, there's some things specifically that are going on in my spirit that the Lord told me to believe for, and, uh, and he's talked to me about it, and he wants me to do it, because it's going to change my inner man. There's some, sometimes he'll just give you a personal assignment. I remember the first time he told me that he wanted me to go buy. He said, now I want you to go buy, and he called the name of it. I'll never forget it. Well, let me just back up a little bit. I, I won't go deep into this, but it does fit, so I'm going to stay far, far enough into it. You'll get the idea. Now, this isn't the license. I'm just telling you right now before I tell you this. This isn't the license to go out and get way in debt and buy that thing you've always wanted. We're not talking about something you want. We're talking about God breaking you out of a poverty mentality. Saying, well, I don't need that. You need to get a revelation that it's not about need. You need what God called you to have to fully do the will of God. And sometimes it's more than what you think you need. See, I'm at a place now in life where I don't need anything. I mean, honest to goodness, we are so content. And when people get content, they relax their faith. But you see, you have to understand, I don't need anything. So, because God's been good. But because he has called us, I'm talking about a mandate to the whole world. I've included the whole world in my needs. I, I, I need it now. I, I, can't, I can't, with what I've got, no, I can't, no, I can't. I need something else to do what he told me to do. Now, I need all I need to, if I'm going to take care of mama and every once in a while, you know, go drop a cork in the lake and huh, come preach 30 minutes on Sunday and sail the rest of the way home, then we're good. But if we're going to go to the world and get this harvest in, and if there's no retirement age in sight, and the whole world has need. And it needs to hear our voice on every available voice all over the world because we have an assignment to get people out of the darkness of the damnation of the power of Satan into the power of God, bring it from dark to light to get them delivered, healed, and set free. For lest that do that, that the wave of the lava of heaven is going to sweep multitudes in the valley of decision into hell itself. And we're the only standard in between hell and the, and the harvest. 
I need everything. I absolutely need everything I can get my hands on to do this job. And I'm not ashamed about it, and I'm not backing up to get a check. This isn't about money with me. Do you understand? So let's get money off the brain. Let's start talking in terms of kingdom supply to get the will of God done under an open heaven. If we can start talking about the way God talks about it, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things to be added. He's got stuff that came out of the kingdom that come to you to get the kingdom work done. And you need to stop thinking about, well, I don't need that much. Yes, you do. Well, no, maybe you don't. You're probably right. Actually, you're probably right. You don't. Because that statement's all about you. But if you'll get outside yourself, you'll find you need more. Are you listening to me? So that's huge. Now, I say that because glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. All right, let me, let me just say this right the way, right way because I want to expedite, cut to the chase here. But I still remember I was teaching in Bible school. We were already in the ministry for some years. And if I called the name of the ministry, you'd know it. And I taught there consistently. And I remember one day I was walking out from teaching in Bible school. I'd get up early, early in the morning. I'd drive four hours to get there to start teaching at 8 o'clock. I'd teach for four hours, jump in my car, drive four hours home yes, to take care of other duties. And kids were younger and all that. And I remember walking out of there one day, and uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said to me, just as clear as I'm talking to you, I want you to go buy three new suits. He said, I want you to, I want you to go buy three new suits because I'm about to open many more new doors for you, and you're going to need them for what I've assigned you to do in the body. Are you listening to me? See, I don't talk about this very often. But... I don't believe that unless we can respond to that command that God's going to use us very much in word of knowledge for the whole body. That's a test. Well, Lord, you know, that 20-year-old thing, that 20-year-old rag I've been putting on is just fine. I mean, no, it's about honor. It's about what he told me to do. And it's about me deciding that the voice he gave me into these churches is worth the right mantle. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I'm really talking about stewarding the anointing, not buying clothes. Do you understand me? Talking about honor. So sometime during that time frame, I was traveling nationally, internationally, and I went through the London airport. I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know, European fashion, and, London, you know, and I'm going through London, and I'm going through, and everybody knows. I mean, a hot dog in an airport's eight bucks or something, you know, it's or 12. Or so everybody knows it's four times more expensive. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, so I'm going through the airport. <clears throat> And I went through this men's shop, and I'm looking around, and I went through, and it's an Italian designers and stuff, and there's a tie, and a particular brand name that time. I guess they still make them. I don't know. I only have one. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, the tie is an Italian designer, and the name of the Italian designer was Pancaldi. It was a Pancaldi tie. 
And I had seen one, and so I recognized the name, and I thought, hmm. And I, uh, and I started looking at them, and, I, and uh, at that time now, we're talking, this is at that time. We're talking, goodness, how many years ago would that be? Hang on, give me a second. We're talking over 30 years ago. Over 30 years ago, that tie cost $125. You didn't wear it with a $59.99 suit. And the only thing I could think about looking at that tie was Calvin and Hobbes. Now, some of y'all know where I'm going. Some of you don't. It, does anybody in the room even know who Calvin and Hobbes is? All right. So Calvin's a little boy. Hobbes is this pet stuffed tiger, and they have this relationship, and there's a whole book written about it, right? So one day Calvin asked Hobbes, the little pet tiger, what is a tail for? Because he has a tail. Humans don't have a tail. The tiger has a tail. So Hobbes has a tail. He said, well, what's it useful for? And I don't remember his reply, but something like, I don't know, it's there, like there for decoration or something. <laughs> and so Calvin's response, and forgive me because this isn't an excuse to, to use coarse language, all right, because it's not, it, it wasn't cursing, but it was so funny, I just can't do it justice unless I say it like Calvin said it. So Calvin says to Hobbes, oh, so it's sort of like a necktie for your butt. <laughs> and all I could think about looking at that $125 tie was Calvin and Hobbes. Why would anybody pay $125 for a piece of cloth that you're going to hang around your neck? Till the Lord said, I want you to buy a pan called a tie. <sighs> Lord, I got a lot of great ties. And in fact, I got relationships with people to give me half price. I got a bunch of them. I got plenty of ties to give away. Why do I need? He said, I want to break something out of you. He said, I need to break this out of you or you'll never be what I called you to be. It is not about need. The value of something is what I place on it. And so now you need it because I told you to buy one. Now, why am I talking about this? Because he wants me to address restoration. There is no brand new piece of art that can even come close to approaching the value on the market of a restored piece of art. When you think of a vintage vehicle, there's a reason people pay a lot of money for restored cars. They may have been wrecked. They may have had rust. They may have had the parts were changed and replaced. But they're restored as if they rolled off the factory floor. And now... They're multiplied more valuable in the restoration than they were when they were first made. So you need to understand, you're not less valuable because you got a dent. You're more valuable because you got restored. Amen. Glory to God. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? 
And it is time for you to open up to the great value of God's will to recreate your life. He wants to knock out the dents, remove the mistakes, pull you up out of the trash, dust you off and hang around your neck a pen called the tie in the spirit. He wants you to give yourself permission to be everything he called you to be. No matter what happened to you to put you in that condition, he is here to restore you. Glory to God. And you're going to be worth four times as much, five times as much, ten times as much as you ever were before. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. I don't know about you, but I'm doing better preaching than you are responding, and you're still responding. You're responding good, but we're getting there. It is time for you to open up to the big future God has planned for you. Hallelujah. All right, now let's read Romans chapter 12. I beseech you. Oh, yeah, that's what I, I got to finish this now. 2 Corinthians, though you didn't know where I was going, the Holy Spirit reminded me. Somebody shout out mercy miracles. Mercy Say it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want you to look at what it says. <clears throat> I want to read in verse 2 now. 2 Corinthians 1, 2, and we're going to read uh, two more verses after that. Grace be to you. And peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo. The Lord Jesus Christ. Come on now. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. Say it again. The Father of mercies. Say it again. The Father of mercies. Did you know his mercies new every morning? I am so glad he's not the father of mercy. But he's the father of mercies. You see, because if he was only the father of mercy, then by his mercy he saved us by the washing of generation and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So then I get saved and that's it. But I'm so glad that just getting my sins forgiven isn't just it. Woo, hallelujah. He didn't just forgive me my sin. I didn't just get born again. There's more mercy to come. I said there's more mercy to come. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I got healed when I got sick. I got protected when the devil came at me. When I got discouraged, I got encouraged. Oh, thank God, the Father of all mercies lives in me, and he's greater. And if God be for us, brother, who could be against us? And he's the Father of mercies. And the God of all comfort. Woo, glory be to God. Do you see this? Therefore, he says, what shall we do? He comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. Woo, you ain't seen trouble. Lord knows. Lord knows. Lord knows the trouble I done seen. No, glory to God. He's about to trouble your trouble. You hadn't seen any trouble like the devil's going to have when you come alive. I'm telling you, his limits in your life are history. Just the fact that I'm preaching this today is making him weak in the knees. I'm telling you, he's, got, he's, he's drinking Pepto-Bismol by the, by the bottle full because we showed up today talking about the name. You are not going to stay the same. 
You are rapidly on the road to conquering the mountain of change. You are sending the hill of the Lord to become what he's called you to be. There's great restoration of lost opportunities in the room. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let's just take a minute and thank him for it right now. He's the father of all mercies. He's the father of all mercy. He's the father of all mercy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo, look what he's done for you. Hey, look what he's done for me. Hey, and he's not through yet. Glory to God. He's the father of all mercy. There's change. There's much change. There's great change. It's a significant year. It is your year. It's an open heaven year. And it's happening as we speak. God, oh, yeah, yeah. I heard the Holy Ghost say it. He said, tell them, I brought you here to change you. Hey, glory be to God. Woo! Is there anybody in the room who knows they've been brought here? He brought you here to change you. Glory to God. He brought you here to change you. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be seated now. Glory to God. Now, back in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God. Hallelujah. By the mercies of God. You see that, plural? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, you know, it's really interesting. Because in the Old Testament, when they were thrown on the altar, they were dead. You didn't throw that lamb up there and it go, bah, bah, bah. no, but in the New Testament, you go, bah, bah. <laughs> Flaying the flopping fish. <laughs> this is the first step to change. Present yourself. I mean, the end result is change. So the in-between has a lot of information that we're going to look at. But don't miss the point. You are presenting yourself for change. That's <laughs> why you came to church. It's why you presented yourself. It's why you're present, present. Yes. Glory be to God. And you present yourself a living sacrifice, which is why I don't like preaching to statues. If anybody's wondering, well, they don't stand up in my church and scream right in the middle of the pastor's message, well, it's because, you know. <laughs> New Testament churches ought to have some living sacrifices in them. Yes. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I mean, one of the things that's happening when the word stands you up and you say, yes, what you're presenting yourself. You said, yes, sir, I'm responding to that word. Yes, sir, I'm making myself open to the cutting of the two-edged sword. Yes, sir, I'm becoming. I believe what you said about me is true. Yes, sir, count me in. Woo, glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 You do understand this is not an autopsy. <laughs> huh? Yeah. It's in science class where you pin the frog down and cut him up and identify his parts. That's not what this is about. It's in the dead operation here. Glory be to God. Amen. It's a living sacrifice. Glory to God. There's life in this room. Most of all, the resurrection life of our Lord in this room. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he's going to do something about your reason. That means your reasonings are going to have to change. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Glory to God. The renewing. Hallelujah. The renewing. Renewing. Uh, we can preach a whole message on that just by itself. The word renew, what does that mean? And, but, but understand, renew means it was new, it got messed up, you need to renew it. It, it means you need to change. Kind of like I said years ago. You know, young fathers aren't, most of them, not all of them, but most of them aren't extremely enthusiastic about the new baby's diaper changes, which is why most mothers are more sleepless than most young fathers <laughs> anyway, <laughs> especially the ones that aren't yellow. <clears throat> and if you would leave it up, if you would leave it up to most men, they would take some baby powder, <laughs> hold that thing open, take a new one, put it on top. Here's the problem with putting something over the old stink. It ain't going to smell good for long. <laughs> it is going to bleed through. Renewal of your mind doesn't mean put some new thoughts over your old ones. You don't get to keep the old ones. You wipe them. Just like when you get a new upgraded cell phone, you wipe the old one. Are you listening to me? Hey, yeah, because otherwise they'll bleed through. Which is why you better bleach your wall before you paint it if you got mold on it. Because you can put new paint over the mold and it's going to come through the new paint. You have to understand that's exactly what he's talking about here. He's after a new you. Glory to God, he's after a new you. Glory to God, amen. Not the old you, not the fixed up you, not the painted up you. And ladies, that doesn't mean don't wear makeup. You should do so. Now, this is not original with me, and don't throw rocks at me, but, you know, every old barn needs paint. And... All right, I'll back off of that. <coughs> Hallelujah. But, you know, the old saying is, never try to teach a pig how to sing. It'll just frustrate you and annoy the pig. So it does not matter what kind of coat you put on a pig, pig's still a pig. Amen? So glory to God. Let's talk about real change. Amen. <laughs> hey, glory to God. All right. So renewing of your mind, your mind, your mind. Not renewing the pastor's mind to preach what you want to hear and to make him think like you think church ought to be. You came for me to change you. My mind is renewed. I'm giving you stuff to renew yours. It's called the washing of the water of the Word, which means if you don't match the Word, you don't match what I want. And your carnal mind doesn't get a vote on how the service goes. You love me? Change. Woo! Glory to God, change. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. <clears throat> I won't go there, but I saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. Lord, I can get that image out of my mind. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I saw it in the spirit. It's okay. Y'all, I know y'all don't know what it is. But anyway, we're doing something great here. 
I'm telling you what, we're excavating a burial site. You don't know it, but we're digging it up and moving the graves. Those old bones are not going to be stuff you tippy-toe around anymore in your life. Glory to God. Are you listening to me? I see it in the Spirit just as real. Woo, glory to God. My God Almighty. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say, for I say. Now, you're going to need step number one to changing anything is to say something to it. No mountain moves without talking to it. The problem is you're going to speak your mind. So if you keep speaking your mind, you're going to have some of the same things you've been thinking about for years. So we're going to talk about the process of change, and it won't all be done in one service. I just want to get to where we got to finish, or not finish, where we, where we must arrive. You know, when you climb a mountain, you have certain points to get up that mountain. It's called a base camp and so forth. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So <clears throat> I say, through the grace given unto me to every man. Say every man. Every. Well, that's every person. We're talking about mankind here. Every person. Say this out of your mouth so you can hear yourself say it. Every person, every person. must change so settle it right now you have some areas in your life that you desperately need to change you if you want to have what God promised you you he says I say by the grace of God given to me to every man that's among you well, that means there's grace to every man. And we're going to talk about change. The whole subject matter is transformation. So every man, every person in the sound of my voice has been endowed by the Father, especially if you're born again, especially, because he's talking about born again, brethren. So this is to, this is to, to Christians. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, it's into the world. He's not telling the world to change. He's telling the body of Christ to change. So brethren, every one of you has grace to change. Glory be to God, which means none of these changes do you have to do in your own strength. Hallelujah. I have helped to change. I no longer have to struggle with habitual patterns seeing my own strength. Now I can deal with that besetting sin. I can deal with the way I eat. I can, I can deal with, with the, the, how critical I am or, 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 or my instantaneous, the way I've been brought up, 30-year cycle of when I look at something, the first thing I do is go to the negative and see the glass half empty. I can change that. You can change that. You're going to have to change it if you're going to walk with God. Amen? Amen? So he says, grace given unto me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, there's so many applications to that phrase right there. We could deal with humility. We could deal with, you know, if you're not walking by faith in this, you're in pride and all that. But here's the bottom line. For today's discussion, 
this has many layers of meaning, but let me just peel off the top layer of this meaning. Let us not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And for today's, for today's utterance by the Holy Ghost, it means if you think you don't need to change, you are thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Glory to God. He said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly according as God has. Woo, God has. God has. Dealt. God has. Something came from God to every man. God has dealt to every man. God has dealt to every man. God has dealt to every man. Every person in the room has this that's a believer. Every person that is born again and says, Jesus is my Lord, has this sitting in that seat. Glory to God. God has dealt it to you in the name of Jesus. Will you hold that, please? God has dealt to every person in the sound of my voice the measure of faith. You have the faith to change. Stop saying I don't have the faith to you do. You're lying. Stop saying, well, I'm not grace like you are. I don't have the willpower you do. You're lying. Every man in the room has grace. Every person in the room has faith. And you've got the adequate capacity from God to make this change into his perfect will for your life. And he's here to do it. He brought you here to change you. Glory to God. He brought you here to change you. But now here's the key. You are going to have to use your faith to do it. For change to happen... Something has to come on you you can't do in your own strength. It's called grace. And for the grace to change, to get activated, you're going to have to release your faith. Now, we'll come, we'll come full circle on this, but uh, let's look at Romans chapter 5. I'm believing we can get there. Pray for me. Pray with me. We're, we're moving. Look at back a few chapters, Romans chapter 5. Look at your name and say Romans 5. That way you know where you're going. Look what it says in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see this? Therefore, being justified, made righteous by faith, we have peace with God. Look at verse 2 now. By whom also we have access. Do you see this? Access. Say access. By faith into what? This grace. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Can you see that grace is activated by faith? That's how you got born again. By grace are you saved through faith. When you believe, grace came, boom, darkness lost its power. You were translated from the authority of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You became a new creature. But you getting born again is not the only change. It's the baby step of the entrance to the doorway of the first change of what the kingdom is going to do to make a brand new you. You're a new creature. You don't even know the language of the land you're born into. You don't even know the economy of the land. No, you're still talking the old language. You're still talking the old economy. You're still... You're going to have to learn some new things. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Amen. And we're going to talk about this change. But what I want you to see right now more than anything else, 
You have the grace to change. You have the faith to change. The mercy of God granted you those gifts so everybody in the room can change into his perfect will and will do so with a supernatural, otherworldly help called grace, which is the very strength of the glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's inside of you right now, and it's working a change. While you're hearing, you're making decisions. Glory be to God. And one of the number one decisions you need to make is, I refuse to stay this way the rest of my life. And the second decision you need to make is, I'm a person that changes quickly. It's not going to take me a long time. I remember when my mother went through suicidal depression. My world would have been totally different had she made the wrong choice. I'm not going to get deep into that testimony except one of the greatest things that happened to her was the day that she was in such torment that it was everything she could do to keep from pulling her hair out and killing herself. And she looked in front of the mirror and pointed at herself and gritted her teeth and said, Doris Harris, you're not going to be like this. Do you understand me? You're not going to stay this way. Thank you, Mom. I could have easily, from my teenage years, grown up without a mom. They got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, moved in the gifts, went to the nations, and prophesied much of what we're doing today. <laughs> no, stop getting bitter and get better. Come on now. Come on up. I said, come on up. I said, come on up. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on out of that mess. Boy, we have help in the room, don't we? Praise the Lord. So every one of us has access to that grace, but we've got to use our faith to get there. And the first step, mom didn't even know it. But that was a quality decision inside her heart, and she released it with her mouth, and that was faith in action. Now, later she learned what was going on, but that was God's mercy. She was sitting in the middle of a denominational church that knew nothing about the Holy Ghost, very little, certainly didn't teach it, crying out to God in torment, and it's it worshiping, oh, God, help me, oh, God, help me. And the next thing you know, it went, oh, God, help me, oh, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. I'm just, my life is going to, I got, I just, I just, I, help me, oh, God, help me. And sovereignly got baptized in the Holy Ghost. So all the proponents of folks that resist the Holy Ghost get a clue. God, help me. He answers by baptizing you in the Holy Ghost. You want God's help? You'll get it when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's the helper. God, give me more power. Well, they get full of the Holy Ghost. He is the power of God. Jesus is God's gift to the world. The Holy Ghost is God's gift to the church. He's the power from on high with the anointing to break off of us. But we can't break on our own. And he's in this room. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Say, I am choosing to climb the mountain of change. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Turn with me to Matthew 17.
And uh, I want you to read with me. This, I'm going to start in the Amplified Classic. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Somebody said, blessed be the name of the Lord. <clears throat> I'm going to read this and get to a point now for at least finding a place where we can get to a base camp, okay? Are you ready? Matthew 17, six days after this, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, by themselves. So they were up there with Jesus. Now that's going to mean a whole lot more in the coming weeks. We'll revisit this as to why this took place, why he only took those three. You know, there, there's a lot to this that people just assume they don't really have any revelation. It's kind of like what happened over the tithe today when he said, the Lord prompted me to study Zebedee. There's not a lot said about him. But those boys didn't just happen to have what they had. So we need to, to let the scripture start coming alive to us. He chose these three on purpose, and there's something going on here, but I want you to see a phrase is what I want you to see. Look at verse 2, Amplified Classic. Speaking of Jesus and his appearance underwent a change. Come on now. And his appearance underwent a change in their presence. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. Now, in Romans 12, when it says, do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transform is where we get our English word metamorphosis. Are you with me now? Metamorphosis. Now, there's a lot that's going to be said about that in the coming days, but is there anybody in here ever heard that word? Have you heard it in biology class at least? Right? A biology and something goes through two succinct stages. They go through metamorphosis and so forth. So, all right, now, here, this is a Greek word. It's where we get our English word. So this word's older than our English word. Understand? And so it has roots. It's used here in this. It's called transfiguration, same word. So to be transformed is to be transfigured. Yes. Glory be to God. And he underwent a change. His appearance underwent a change in their presence. He had them present for a reason. Because it wasn't just to see him undergo a change. It was that when he underwent that change and they were in the sphere of the presence of that change, it would come off on them. Now, I'm, it's vitally important you catch this. Because if you do, you'll understand the need for the consistency of staying the course to climbing the whole mountain. Because they went up this mountain, and on top of the mountain, his appearance underwent a change. He was transfigured. He had them in his presence on purpose. Amen? Now, I want to read this to you. <clears throat> uh, and basically, uh, if you want to write it down in English, that'd be fine. Metamorphosis is our English word, all right? But the Greek word here, meta, M-E-T-A, and you can just write that down. And, of course, it's, it's morpho or morpho. It literally, M-O-R-P-H-O-O, -O, and it'll have a long O at the end. It's a compound word. I said it's a compound word. So here we got a prefix called meta, metamorphosis, M-E-T-A. Meta literally means this, with, among, or after. You know how pronouns can have an, an in or through or it can, it can, so it means one of these things, with, among or after. And it's very important to know this. 
Actually, the best way to translate meta would be in company with. In company with. And then, of course, morphosis means to be transferred or to change. So metamorphosis, or, or this particular Greek word in Romans 12 and in Matthew 17, it literally means this. Change after being with. That's what it means. Now you see why he took him up on the mountain. Because it wasn't just... All that happened, because here, here's the thing that most people don't, don't understand. The first word is with or after. The second word means change after being with. Or actually, the second word means changing form in keeping with inner reality. Okay, so, so the second word means I change form in keeping with an inner reality. So there's something in me that's real. And it's so real and has so much power, it changes what it looks like on the outside. This is not change from the outside in. This is change from the inside out. So what that means is this. It means that when he got up on the mountain, he had them there for them to see what he really looked like all the time. What he was carrying in that earthen vessel. Who he really was. And who he really was, he let them see it. So they could change into that after being with him. Glory to God. Do you understand what's happening? He's putting some of his glory on them. He's letting them see who he's really called them to be. And when I'm finished walking with you, you're going to look like me on top of this mountain. Glory be to God. Do you understand what's going on here? This is huge. There's four major steps to this. We'll identify many of them. Uh, actually, there's more than four, but just today I just want to mention this. Step number one is being born again. I mean, when you get born again, there's a radical change. But you don't stop there. And there's a reason so many people do get capped. I don't have time to talk about this now, but I have been around the world. I've seen grown men be shaking, trembling under the power of God, everything they can do to resist God. But by God, their, their, their Baptist teaching, their Methodist teaching, their, their old good old boy teaching won't let them speak in tongues. They will not receive the Holy Ghost. They'll never change past that point. In fact, I've watched them turn and go the other way. You're born again, step number one. Step number two, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. How come? Because the Spirit of God is the agent of change. You can't change you, but he can, so let him in. Number three, you need a revelation. Because most people won't change because they don't see the need to change. Today, may there be a revelation that every one of you absolutely must change. And that the only way to change is be with him. Now, that's the most important step. That's step number four. When you see the need to change, actually, I'm going to give you five steps, okay? So let me give you step number four first. Because the Lord just added, he said, no, make that step five. Step number four is you have to be open. You have to open up to give room 
for others to change. So you have to understand that if you hold people in a box, you'll be held in a box. If you won't forgive, you can't be forgiven. If you don't believe somebody can be restored, watch out because you're going to get an obvious, wonderful, magnified attempt to stumble yourself, and then you're going to have a long road back because you didn't give them room to be restored. It's going to be real hard for you to get restored. Watch your judgment self. Watch your ugly old opinionated critical self. You better watch it. Because if you're not open, especially family members, most especially family members, because familiarity resides there. And if you don't keep your heart where you can give them room to become, you're in huge trouble. And then number five. This is changed by being in a company. Whoever you run with it's going to get down inside of you, and you're going to start being like. That's why bad company corrupts good morals. You cannot run with somebody. Well, it's okay. We just did so. No, you didn't just did so and so. The spirit on them is getting on you. We'll talk about this in detail later. We'll talk about it in detail later. But this is the whole reason. Everybody thinks we want you to come to church because that's controlling. Well, I have to go to church. That's legalism. Not with me. I know a lot of churches are that way because they got the numbers and the little pony races and, the, and, and they feel like their identity is wrapped in how many people they got in Sunday morning. My whole motive for saying to you, you need to get your necktie in the chair. It's because there's an anointing here in this company that when you start running with it, yeah. will take you up outside yourself and bring a change in your life beyond anything you can imagine. Metamorphosis cannot, cannot happen in your life without consistently being with the right company because change comes after who you're with. Some of you folks are talking to the wrong people, watching the wrong programs, reading the wrong books, surfing the wrong websites, and you're thinking the same old things you thought the last 20 years, begging God for a word on Sunday. You will never change. I hate to break the news to you. You're done for. You're damned. Because you won't get your necktie with the company. Your only hope to change is connect with an anointing that will produce that change. That's the grace of God. And there's a lot of movement happening. Woo, glory to God. There's a lot of movement happening, and I believe it's happening in this room right now. I said, I believe it's happening in this room right now. I said, I believe it's happening in this room right now. How about you? Do you believe it's happening in this room? Oh, there's a lot for me to talk to you about, but let me finish with this. I'm just done. I'm done. I'm done. In fact, stand on your feet. Let's get the worship team back up here. Hallelujah. And as the worship team comes pretty quickly, I just want to make sure you're at the ready, but do not cover up the screen. Don't cover up the screen. Something's about to happen in this room. Are you ready? Yes. Glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. In Revelation, and I want you to follow me on the scripture now very quickly. I want to read this. I want you to see what's about to happen in our church, what's about to happen in Harvest National Ministries and our affiliates all over the world, where we are in the spirit, what's happening and why God brought you here and what's happening in your life if you'll let it. Revelation chapter 5. Glory to God. And let's read verse 7, 8, and 9. Look at it. 
Revelation 5, 7, 8, and 9. I'm only going to read two sets of verses very quickly. So he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Come on, quickly now. No, no, let's say King James. We don't even have time for all that amplified. <laughs> and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are? What, what, what is that? Prayers. The prayers of the saints. Look at verse 9. Glory to God. And they sang a new song. Worthy is he to take the book and open the seals thereof and so forth. For he was slain and has redeemed us to God by his blood out of every kindred and every tongue and every people and every nation. Glory be to God. The scrolls are open to you. The heavens are open to you. And there's something ascending to heaven. It is the prayers of the saints. And they're going up in bowls, chalices, and goblets before Almighty God. Are you listening to me? Now, y'all scoot aside. I'm going to have that right there, okay? Now, listen to me. Now, Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, 4, and 5. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Woo, glory to God. Read it, read it, read it now. Read it. This is huge. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and he filled it with the fire of the altar. Right now, heaven is mixing some things with your prayers. Glory be to God. It's isn't about you just begging God, when will it ever come? I'm telling you, every prayer you pray is dripping into that heavenly bowl. Glory be to God. I'm telling you, the bucket is almost full. I said, the bucket is almost full. I said, the bucket is almost full. And it says here, there were, and he filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it back down into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and boom, it's an earthquake. The Lord spoke to me. I'm telling you, 2023 is the year of opening. It is not just the open heavens. Is the opening of the brass gates that have kept us out of the treasuries that have been held back by demon power as well. So the nations of the earth are opening. The eyes of the body of Christ are opening. The scrolls are opening. Everything's opening. And you need to understand it's the anointing to open. And it belongs to us. And what's critically important here, this is really huge, is there is an opening and it's Acts 16, 25, and 26. They sang and gave praises to God. And an earthquake came. Heaven responded to the foundation of that prison in Philippi. And everyone's bonds were loosed. And all of the doors were open. Say open. Every prison door was open. Every prison. Immediately all the doors were open. Immediately all the doors were open. That's how I'm supposed to finish this service today. I know it'll be a blessing to you. Last week, about a week ago, I was awakened. Well, I really wasn't awakened, really. I was praying in the Spirit and had been for some time. And my eyes were shut, but I was in a state between almost being asleep 
and being awake. And suddenly I was in the Spirit. And in the Spirit, I saw some things we were believing for specifically. Creative things, such as creative miracles. I saw them. And on the right-hand side, it had spiritual movement. On the left-hand side, here's what I saw. I heard this, and inside my bedroom wall came the bucket of a huge front-end loader. And the ceiling disappeared, and I saw it so heavy, almost like if you had an upstairs restroom that just flooded everything, and it soaked the sheetrock, and it soaked the insulation, and the roof's about to cave in under the weight, and it's just dripping through the... And it was dripping down into that bucket. Bloop, bloop. And I could hear it hit. And I could see that bucket. Of that whole front end loader. And then I saw what we were believing for on the right side of the room. After that came. It came in the room. Then over here, right through the door, came the entrance of what I knew was movement toward the things we've been believing God for. Creative miracles and such. And I heard the Lord say. Now I'm just telling you. I'm not trying to be rude and I'm not trying to be arrogant. We are getting this. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. God wills you to get this. Yeah, I'll do that, Lord. Now, I'm not going to go. Listen, I am using my faith because our Sunday mornings are changing. But one thing I'm not going to do, I'm going to do it with peace, by grace, and by faith. I'm not going to fight with the clock. Do you understand? We're going to do this thing because he's asked for it because we're in revival. We're undergoing a change. But I heard this this morning, and the Lord said, no, this can't wait till next week, and I saw it by the Spirit. The scripture says very clearly, and I, I'm not, this is not, I'm teaching, but it's not note taking time. This is all in times. Focus. Romans 12, 1 through 3, basically says every man among us has grace and faith to change. Yes, sir. Right now, you have, and in this room, is everything we need to begin the process of undergoing this change, yes, to have a miraculous start, to have movement. Are you with me? Verse yes, 6 says, to the grace, there's a grace given to every man. Say, so every person has grace. Every person Therefore, has prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Do you see grace and faith there? So that's verse 6. Now, verse 31 says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. There's about to come a grace in your life. And the Lord told me, he said, I'm giving you a grace to prophesy to them today. And he said, and when you do it, because they're in the company, it's going to come on them. I'm giving them a grace to prophesy over their own life today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glory to God. Are you hearing me? Yes, and verse 31 says you don't be overcome. Romans 12, 31. Do not be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. In the room for everyone, there is the grace and the faith to activate it to overcome every evil thing coming at you. 
Your life is about to undergo a change. Your life is about to undergo a change. And you're no longer going to be under the circumstances. You're going to get the circumstances under your feet. You're no longer going to deal with depressed days, down days, struggling days. No, in the name of Jesus, you're undergoing a change and you're coming out of this. You're coming out of fear and worry and depression and doubt and unbelief and depression and all kinds. You're coming out of heaviness. You're undergoing a change physically. You're undergoing a change emotionally. You're undergoing a change spiritually. There'll be great miracles of healing, great miracles in human bodies, great miracles of schizophrenic minds and learning disorders. I'm telling you, mercy miracles are being released. Change is happening in the room. So the Lord said this. He said, for me to tell you to say this, you're about to prophesy to yourself. Do you have faith that you can change? Then prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. Shout it out. I can't change. Say, I prophesy to myself. You can change. You have the faith to change. You have the grace to change. You will change. You don't resist change. You're undergoing sudden changes. And you are not going to be obstinate. Your life in every area is about to change suddenly with accelerated speed. Woo! Glory to God! Glory to God! Glory to God! Glory to God! Now prophesy to yourself. Say this. I will never, never, ever be the same again. I could have a healing line and give every one of you an individual word. Just did it. But he told me to say this, so I'm going to say it. Today, I am authorized to prophesy to you your transformation. I came in this room authorized to prophesy the entire company's transformation. So therefore, by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and his representative authorized and anointed on earth, I say to you, I command you. I command everything around you. I command everything for you. And I command that everything coming to you will change from this moment in Jesus' name. You receive that? Then act like it. Your enemy shall shortly be crushed under your feet. Y'all ready? You ready? Listen to me. I mean, we're ready. Listen to me. I want to keep everybody online for just a matter of minutes. I want them to see this too. It's going to go out online. The bucket is almost 
full. Play it. We talk about heavy rain, but water is heavy, very heavy. To give us an idea of just how heavy, we are about to see what would happen if all of Borrowdale's four metres of water fell in one go. Now, obviously, we can't get a digger the size of the Lake District. So we're just going to recreate what it's like when four metres of water hits one small area. So we have four cubic metres of water in the bucket, which amounts to four tonnes at height. Then beneath it, you'll see we've found a car for scientific purposes. Let's see just how much damage that amount of water can do. Hmm, looks like rain. Yeah, pretty brutal. But I shouldn't be surprised. Because the water actually weighed four times more than the car underneath it. Every minute of every day, 900 million tonnes of rain land on our planet. That's about the same amount of water as in all 16 lakes of the Lake District. Oh, they're going to notice. But it does prove the point. Water is really heavy. That is just the annual rainfall for Borrowdale, where I've been going on holiday all of my life. Explains something about it. It's amazing, isn't it? It's the annual rainfall of that small area. I said that's just the annual rainfall of that small area coming down at once. Glory be to God, you're under an open heaven. The bucket is almost full. I said the bucket is almost full. It's right over your head. It's right over your house. It's right over your life. It's right over your family. It's right over your future. I prophesy change. I prophesy sudden change. I prophesy creative, life-changing, enemy barrier-crushing change. Well, give God the glory in the house.